High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag healthy you, wealthy you. And it's a wonderful good morning to all the Chai FM listeners. Um, we're back in the seat, both Fagy and myself, um, after I think quite a protracted uh, gap um, in having a little bit of a rest from this maddening world. And we have a very, very exciting uh, program up up for you today. We are going to be discussing the the topic of vaccinations. But before we get onto that, let's say hello to Faggy. Good morning. How are you, Faggy? Good morning, Adel. I'm well, thank you. How are you? I am, thank God, well. And I think that uh, we both agreed when we chatted that this world is swirling with so many decisions, particularly around the discussions about vaccinations. Um, I don't know how much of it is medical and how much is conspiracy theory, what is right, what is wrong. And there is a tremendous amount of debate, not only in South Africa, but around the world as to which direction we need to take when it, when it comes to this pandemic. So we've got the pendulum swinging all the way from the theories that it's just the flu and, uh, you know, we can, we, 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 we can just fight it off and it's, it's much to do about nothing. And then the pendulum swings to the other side where um, people are screaming pandemic, too many people dying, this is very dangerous, and you have to have it. And then in between all of that is how, how, do, we act, how, how do we control it and what, what is it that we've got to do to try uh, do things better. So we've got none other than uh, the famous and reliable and person we can lean on, Dr. Uh, Jack Cussell with us. Um, who's going to come in just after the break now. And we're going to dissect the whole discussion around vaccinations. Let's get it from a reliable authority, somebody who has been practicing medicine forever and ever. And uh, let's just actually understand what what are the facts, what are the, what are the uh, restrictions around the, the vaccines, what we can anticipate. And of course, as always, as always, this is just a discussion. It is not uh, um, um, medically, uh, um, medical information that you must necessarily only rely on. You have to go to your doctor and to your healthcare professional and you have to seek out your own advice. This is just the discussion, but we'd love you to join this discussion. 34519 is the SMS line 061-895-1019 is our telegram. We're going to be back shortly. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. When God created the lofty mountains, the oceans teeming with life, the planets and the galaxies, God also thought the world needed one of you. What did you do today to better the world? Big or small, we would love to hear from you. Email Kathy with a K at highfm.com. Share your story. Inspire others. Change the world. Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosulski and Fagy Stern. 
we're here discussing vaccinations, the V word. And uh, with a warm welcome, good morning, Dr. Kassel. Morning, Idol. Morning. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us. You. Always coming on and uh, giving us, making some sense of the world around us and just actually understanding stuff from a medical perspective. So I'm going to give it over to you by way of introduction. Maybe, you know, we all need to actually understand what is a vac vaccination, what it does, and then we can take it from there. Thank you, Adel. I'll try and be as brief as possible because I want to leave time for questions. COVID-19 infection ranks already as one of the greatest challenges facing mankind in both the 20th and 21st centuries. Challenges from both the morbidity and the mortality point of view. I think that the full impact of this challenge has still not come through to some members of our own community, to some members of the world community. It's a very, very serious problem. I will, de I will deal with issues surrounding the development of COVID-19 if there is time. I attempt in this presentation to give you the facts as I see them surrounding vaccinations. <clears throat> Bearing in mind, of course, that there are experts in this field who are far better qualified than me, and I will try to present their views in the most balanced way possible. If I make inaccuracies or mistakes in doing this, I apologize beforehand. South Africa has long been a country that has produced eminent virologists. To give you one example, James with South Africa has always been recognized for its forefront in technology. Now, very briefly about vaccinations. The traditional vaccines typically involve as the antigen. Now, an antigen is a substance that stimulates the production of an antibody. The antibody destroys the potential infection. So the traditional vaccines involve an antigen which is either inactive or attenuated in the germ or passive in which case the germ is dead and the antigen is prepared, prepared from it. And these traditional vaccines have taken years to develop, sometimes up to 10 to 15 years to develop properly. Now, the mRNA COVID vaccine is totally different because it works differently. It doesn't contain inactivated or attenuated antigen but instead it contains a blueprint to manufacture the antigen in the form of genetic material called mRNA. I apologize for the scientific uh, uh, words, but I, there's no other way I, I can explain it. The mRNA provides the genetic information to synthesis, to synthesis the spike protein that the SARS-CoV-2 virus uses to attack and infect human cells. This is how SARS-CoV-2 works. It has a spike protein on its surface which penetrates like a spear into the cell and allows the organism to enter. Now, the mRNA vaccine has 
with what I have described over here, produced, uh, used, utilized an antigen which is genetically modified to produce a vaccine to attack the spike protein. I hope this is clear. This genetically modified antigen then goes to the lymph glands where it interacts with T cells and B cells. Don't worry about what those are. Then that results in the production of antibodies to the spike protein of the COVID-19 cell. This vaccine can be produced with great speed. Synthesis of mRNA vaccine in the laboratory has taken just two days in some cases and certainly not longer than a month, whereas current flu vaccines take about six months to prepare and develop. Traditional vaccines, as we have said, takes many years. mRNA vaccine, which we are now using for COVID-19, offers the big advantage as an emergency vaccine. This is why it has been authorized by the Federal Drug Association of America. It's been authorized in every country in the world where it's available because so far it has a 95% efficiency going up to 99% in some studies, whereas the efficiencies of other vaccines to start with is only 60 to 80%. But just as there's encouragement in all fields, there is also the pendulum. Everybody gets very excited about the vaccine. The pendulum is up. Then, of course, there's less excitement as this pendulum swings down. The first ever mRNA vaccine has been brought to the world market for the first time now. And what are the immediate reactions to this? Not serious. Significant reactions at the injection site may occur. Fever, malaise, and fatigue has been reported in 10 to 15% of cases so far with mass immunizations. And so far it looks perfectly safe. But we still don't know and know nothing about the long-term uh, effectiveness or the long-term side effects of the vaccine. Preventing an acute infection and stopping the pandemic is the first priority in controlling this pandemic. Experts all over the world have said that we need to develop a 70% herd immunity in order to the, for the pandemic to stop. This will only be possible if we introduce immediate vaccination programs with as much vaccine as we have available. So can I just stop you there, Dr. Kassel, just to, to see if I'm understanding it. The mRNA vaccine is obviously something that was developed much, much quicker, and that is where the majority of the vaccine, the majority of vaccinations being used today is of this type, the mRNA vector vaccine. The, the, um, there are other companies that are still trying to produce vaccines, if I can put in inverted commas, the old fashioned way, the way that we know, understand, uh, vaccines for the last 30 years. Is that correct? It's correct, but not as far as this pandemic is concerned. This, mRNA vaccine and the, the 
rationale behind it is it's mainly an emergency vaccine. It's the first time it's being used on this scale, the first time it's been used in the world on this scale. It's not a traditional vaccine where you simply take an organism and use it as an antigen and present an antibody to that antigen and destroy the infecting organism. It's not that at all. This is a unique vaccine that has been developed by many drug companies, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson, and of course, not to be left behind, the Israel laboratories that are producing their own vaccine, but they all embrace the mRNA principle. In other words, they're using a genetically modified protein that is exactly like the spike protein to stimulate an antibody to the spike protein. They are not using the COVID-19 organism to produce the vaccine, unlike such vaccines. Okay, I think I think that's much clearer. Thank you. We are discussing vaccines and trying to unravel uh, fact from myth. We are with Dr. Jack Cussell and Fagy. If you have any questions that you would like to ask us, you can SMS on 34519. Our telegram number is 061-895-1019. We'll be back shortly. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. So where do you sit on the fence with the COVID vaccine? We were just uh, very clearly ex- um, explained what the mRNA uh, vector vaccine is all about. Dr. Kassel, are they also still developing the vaccine um, in the traditional way? Is there a development in the traditional way? Not to my knowledge, because it will take far too long. The the actual production in the traditional way is at best three to six months, and the testing for adverse effects is it runs into years. So it's not it's not an option. This is a pandemic which has to be brought under control immediately, and it's got to be controlled in the most efficient and effective way possible. There is no time for the development of traditional vaccines. So if you're going to get a vaccine, you're going to be getting this genetically modified vaccine. It's either that or, or, not, or not having the vaccine. So let's talk about the people that you feel, uh, the, the pool of people maybe in rank of priority. Who should be getting the vaccine and who shouldn't be getting the vaccine? Is there that, can that question be, uh, be asked? Well, there is a lot of controversy because when COVID-19 first appeared at the end of November, March, April of the end of November, the previous year, March, April of 2020, it was perceived as being a, a disease which attacked people with comorbidities. In other words, pre-existing conditions like diabetes and high blood pressure, and it attacked mainly the older age group and therefore that is your first priority in immunization on the other hand the original infection didn't attack children I I, I stand for correction but there have only been a handful of deaths amongst children even now in the pediatric age group from COVID-19 and these were all children with uh, with comorbidities 
the ordinary child has very minimal symptoms to COVID-19. And this is the great danger because the child may be, the child in the pediatric age group may be the silent carrier. You may not even know that the child has COVID-19. But if it's in a household where old people, grandparents exist, this can be very dangerous from that point of view. So this raises the first question. Whom do you set about vaccinating? Who do you set about vaccinating first? Obviously, your population at risk. It's your older people, your people in the 60-year-plus age group, people with comorbidities, people that are at risk. But like all other viruses, and the polio virus and the measles virus are recent examples, the virus has the ability to mutate. It has the ability to change its form. It can produce mutations that may become resistant to the vaccine. Whether it can mutate its spike uh, that they've produced the vaccine at still remains to be answered. We don't know because these studies are underway at the moment. Israel has led the field in the world in subjecting its entire population to a mass immunization program in order to, in conjunction with Pfizer laboratories, to see the effects of this on the population in general, or everybody, not only old people. They intend immunizing their whole population. And only then will we know the effectiveness of the vaccine, the long-term protection for the vaccine, whether re-vaccination will be necessary, whether mutations will occur which will make the organism resistant to the vaccine, and whether the vaccine will have long-term side effects, which I propose to discuss in the second half of the program, these points. Dr. Castle, we've seen in South Africa that the, that the virus has mutated and has changed. So how does well, that work in terms of the vaccination have, covered for all the different strains? They've reported up to 17 mutations. I think that we've just lost Dr. Castle. Uh, the producers claim that these mutations are sensitive to the virus, all sensitive to the vaccination. We so far haven't seen any known mutations that are not sensitive to the, uh, to the vaccination. Okay, so we should be good. We should be good on that. I mean, I, for, for me, it's a little bit of a scary, a scary thought. Um, I guess, as you said, it is an emergency situation, and we need to try bring the pandemic under control. And like I was just thinking, you know, Israel is 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 hopefully going to be have, having the entire population vaccinated by Pesach time, by 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 uh, March. Um, I kind of like feel that they're like are being the long-term study for the world as to what will be the repercussions of this. Well, the repercussions we don't know yet, and we won't see any repercussions. But the calculated risks haven't been taken into account in immunizing your whole population. I believe that is a mistake. My own personal point of view is that you shouldn't adopt a mass immunization program because you could seriously affect your army, you could seriously affect your working population. You don't know what could happen. If you don't know what could happen, 
you know, in the olden days when they used to test vaccines, they used to get people to sign consent to submit themselves to a, a, a program to see what the effects of the vaccine were. They didn't just routinely immunize everybody before they passed a vaccine. It's important to realize that the Federal Drug Association of America and the World Health Organization have issued the recommendation that this mRNA vaccine is the vaccine that should be used in an emergency situation. This is an emergency situation. Nobody can dispute that. Even the most diehard anti-vaccination people will, will... will agree to it or die because there's no other way of preventing it. But uh, whether it should be done on the general population forthwith, as some countries are trying to do and Israel is definitely doing, I don't know that that is correct from my own personal point of view. But we can only hope that in some way they are being protected by Hashem and that they will all be all right. Well, amen to that. Um, one of the other questions that, 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 that I wanted to ask though, then just in terms of, 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 of prevention, there, there is a lot of discussion about around that as well. I think that that fuels the anti-vaxxers, et cetera, et cetera. That if a, what in your opinion, um, and are you in agreement or do you have anything else to add as to what can we do naturally? to keep up our, our immunity and to ensure that the internal health of ourselves is sufficient to ward it off in a natural way um, and not be completely reliant on the fact that we have to go to, you know, to have a vaccine to help us. Well, that's, that's a very, very pertinent question, Adel, because I've always been uh, a, a person that has believed in limiting vaccines to conditions that are life-threatening. I've never been the proponent of using vaccinations ad lib uh, just to vaccinate against anything. And unfortunately, that is becoming the trend today. There are certain conditions where vaccine is absolutely essential, but there are also certain conditions where vaccine is, is not really essential. And I think... My own personal opinion is that your own immune system is the best way of tackling this from a natural point of view. If you impair your immunity, if you somehow impair your ability to produce antibodies, you're going to lessen your resistance to infection, leaving everything else aside. And in my own case, I... I, (laughs) I'm not afraid to disclose that I don't take vaccines, but I will probably take this one when it becomes available. I've taken only vaccines for conditions that can kill me. But I think more important than that is you have to have a general sense in the population that this is something that kills. It's something that infects. When you go into... that people don't isolate properly, they don't wear masks, they don't sanitize, they don't stop themselves from massive gatherings, they they go off on rages and holidays, which is entirely unjustified when half the world is dying from this. And this cannot be correct. That is the first way to try to tackle this pandemic until Mm -hmm. it develops herd immunity and it starts to subside. There are no shortcuts to this. 
no shortcuts whatsoever. But Dr. Kassar, I'd like to understand the concept of herd immunity. How does it work? How do you get herd immunity if people aren't around each other and don't infect each other? Well, you get herd immunity eventually. At the moment, the herd immunity is running at something between 20 and 30 percent. It means that when people have had the infection, they recover from the infection, and they then immune from the infection. Or they have been vaccinated and they are immune from the infection. That is how herd immunity develops. And when more than 70% of the population are in this happy situation, then the virus itself is, is, will be definitely subside and it will eventually become obliterated. That is the definition of herd immunity. Now, you could say let herd immunity develop, let enough people die, let enough people recover, and eventually you will have herd immunity. The risks are too great to rely on that. You've got to have some other factor that might provide the immunity quicker, and that is vaccination. There's no argument against that. But having said that, um, I, I think also there is this misunderstanding that having the vaccine doesn't stop you from getting COVID. What it's going to do is reduce the, the intensity of the infection if, if your immunity is compromised. You know, like I kind of like people think, well, I've got the vaccine. Now I can be happy-go-lucky and I can, you know, I'll, I'll go off into the sunset and I'll never get COVID. That is not true. Is that correct? It's not true. And we don't know whether it's true or not because no longitudinal long-term studies have been done. The vaccine has just been introduced to the world. This is one of the criticisms of, of massive immunization, trying to convince the population that this is, uh, this is everything. You know, President Trump tried to do this in America when he said you only need one thing to stop all this thing and the whole of America will be healthy. It doesn't mm. happen like that. First of all, there are people being reported now that have had the first dose of the vaccine that are still getting COVID. But as you correctly say, it's in an attenuated form, it's in a less virulent form, and they're not developing the severe complications of COVID. You see, you can get COVID and recover from COVID quite happily. It's not a killer of people necessarily. But the danger with COVID is the long-term morbidity that it may leave behind it because it is a virus which directly impacts on the lung. And it impacts on the lung by causing in some people thrombosis of the vessels of the lung so that lung tissue dies. So that once the person ends up on a ventilator and is needing oxygen and lung tissue is dead, the chances of that person ever recovering are, become diminished. The chances of that person having persistent respiratory problems, even if they get off the ventilator, are considerably increased. And in this respect, the vaccination may, may help. It will prevent the long-term morbidity effects, no doubt about it, even though we don't know this in studies. This is why these studies are now being undertaken. But Dr. Kassel, how do you explain a person that has had COVID and then tests for antibodies and that does not have the antibodies? That's number one. And number two, 
someone that has had COVID, apparently people are being reinfected by, um, again, obviously by maybe a different strain. So a second time around. Well, this is quite true. As we know, you know, viruses are very, very clever, some of them. And they can mutate, they can change their form. I'm not sure that the coronavirus, the COVID-19, can change its spike. This is a specific part of the coronavirus to which the antibody has been targeted. It's not the actual cell, it's not the nucleus, it's not the whole organism. It's the spike that penetrates the tissues. That's what you've got to try and understand. So, we don't know. The thing is, we don't know. And this is why these studies are being done. And this is why Israel has agreed to subject its whole population to these tests. Again, the ethical issues arise. Is this correct? You you mentioned earlier about all the people getting vaccinations um, with comorbidities, but what happens if someone that does have a comorbidity can't handle the vaccination? Well, here again, there's, there's, there's yesterday I read of two people that have died of heart attacks three days after receiving the vaccination. One person who had multi-organ uh, inflammatory reaction with organ failure, possibly due to the vaccination. Again, we don't know. You know, you're, you're dealing with sick people. And obviously the tendency will be to blame the vaccination for everything rather than their condition. We don't know whether these heart attacks were caused by the vaccination or whether they were caused just fortuitously. Only time will tell. But I still get back to the basic point of this discussion. There is no argument as to whether we should have the vaccination or not. This pandemic is killing people at an enormous rate, over 500 people a day in South Africa, even in our own communities. And therefore, there is no argument against the what the World Health Organization and the American Federal Drug Association, COVID-19 mRNA vaccination as an emergency vaccination. They haven't given yet their blessing as a long-term vaccination or on the safety of the vaccination. Nobody can tell this. Right. We are discussing the vaccination story and the whole story around corona. If you'd like to join the discussion, you'd like to ask a question of Dr. Kassel. Our SMS line is 34519. On Telegram, 061-895-1019. We're going to go for a little bit of an ad break, and we'll be back with more questions for Dr. IFM, 101.9 megahertz of life. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Welcome, and if you've tuned in, we're discussing vaccines. Dr. Kassel, I've, I've just got a question, you know, in the beginning when this pandemic started, um, it, it was ascertained that the, the, the little kids and the younger population were not the super spreaders, and if they did get it, they were asymptomatic. My question to you is, why is it like that? Even now, even with the mutations, we are, we are obviously seeing, seeing that younger people are getting it, but is it because they have more robust immune systems? Like what makes them less susceptible than, than, than other uh, uh, parts of the, the population? 
You see, this is the long-standing argument as to how, to, how, how you compromise your immune system. Your immune system is something that Hashem has given us from the word go, from Adam and Eve, that when you get an infection, the infection stimulates the antibody. The antibody then goes off and, hit, and hits the infecting organism, and you eliminate it. A child has a perfectly clean immune system. Adults and older adults have compromised immune systems. And I don't want to get into this age-old argument, but I believe there are many ways of compromising your immunity. Uh, people will disagree with me, and people will be unhappy with what I'm saying now. But it's better to leave it to natural mechanisms to fight infection rather than try to be cleverer than the infection. I don't want to go into it deeper than that because, as you know, I'm not a proponent of antibiotic therapy except in very dangerous situations. I'm not a proponent of uh, repeated vaccinations for flu vaccines and that sort of thing. I seriously believe that these things may give our immune systems the wrong message. Rather reserve the uh, what Hashem has given us to fight our uh, to fight our infections with as a priority, and that is why children are protected better than adults or older adults. I do, I do seriously believe that the older adult has had his immune system compromised. I will share a little bit of information with you personally myself. I'm 82 years old, and I've never taken any vaccines up to now, except for the ones that are life-threatening conditions, such as polio, TB, those vaccinations I've had. And I have strong doubts, except in this case, where I would ever take vaccines routinely. Right. So let's let's zero zero in, and um, you know, on our, our our show, the healthy wealthy, the healthy you wealthy you show. The focus of Fagi and I is to educate people that we have um, maybe ninety percent of our health in our hands. The ten percent is out there. It's in the air. It's in whatever it is, and it's in Hashem's hands that is going to come our way. But there is much that we can do for ourselves to maintain healthy immune systems, to maintain a healthy lifestyle. If I had to ask you, name two or three or five points of how to keep your immune system healthy, what would they be? Three or five points of keeping your immune system healthy is, first of all, let the immune system work naturally. Get the natural infections. Get your flu each winter and build up your own antibodies. Don't try and produce other antibodies. That's number one. Overcome these things. In 60 years of practice, I have not had any serious infections from practicing, but I've seen many, many serious infections. I've overcome most of the infections and got better from them and never taken a flu vaccine in my life. So that is one way of, of developing an efficient immune system. The second way is to give the immune, the so-called immune boosters, which a lot of uh, homeopathic uh, people believe in, and homeopathy, homeopathy must not be laughed at. There are certain immune boosters such as zinc, vitamins, vitamin C, uh, the general vitamins that are 
very effective in boosting immunity and in boosting natural resistance. So that's the, the second point. The third point is what was illustrated to us by the polio epidemic when I started practicing medicine in 19, when I went to, into medicine in 1954. When polio occurred in South Africa, and broke out in the general population in a pandemic, the African population, which was disadvantaged, living in townships and getting repeated infections, as opposed to the wealthy population that was living in Lower Houghton, Dornpentine, and not yet Santon or Morningside, these African populations had very few cases of severe polio or deaths from polio. Where did all the deaths from polio occur? They occurred in the affluent communities, in the people that have had their immune systems immune, uh, compromised. Mm. And we do it to ourselves. We try to be cleverer than our own bodies by producing things that are not cleverer than our own bodies. And this is where the, my big criticism lies. I would like to see vaccines being used for what they should really be used, for life-threatening conditions, conditions like meningitis, tuberculosis, uh, uh, diphtheria, tetanus, hepatitis, where there's tremendous morbidity from these diseases and not being used, and I won't mention the other conditions because I'll create controversy, but for conditions that some of them will be using it for now, which are quite easily conditions that your own immune system can fight off. And I think that is where the problem lies. Absolutely wise words, and, and, and certainly, you know, I do, I, I certainly personally as well vacillate towards that, that we do have a God-given intricate system that is clever enough um, to help itself through the trials and tribulations of life and 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 we are our worst own enemy i've got one other question that that you know that just in listening to everything that has been said about covid-19 is that one one thing that you didn't mention and i'm asking this as a question that it seems that the virus thrives on sugar um, insofar as that's why people with comorbidities, the, the, the diabetics, the, the people that are, are obese, people that have problems, um, with, have very high um, um, levels of glucose or um, insulin resistance are more susceptible to it. Like surely just cutting out sugar, I mean, is that a true fact? And if yes, then just how about changing what we're eating, going for more you know, healthy alternatives? Absolutely correct, Adel. <clears throat> there was a book brought out in the olden days called Man Alive, You're Half Dead, of how we produce <laughs> our morbid conditions by what we eat. And, you know, if it's, the book is still available, I would recommend to your listeners to get this book and see how diet can influence morbidity. We know this from the laws of Kashrut, that most of our Kashrut laws are based on the dangers of interactions of food and certain foods that that, that that may cause problems, the non-kosher foods, leaving out the religious side of it. You know where the COVID virus uh, originated? From bats in Wuhan in China. Mm. Well, Jews don't eat bats. 
they, they, they eat, they, they obey the kashrut laws. And that's why theoretically Jews should have a lower incidence and a better way of fighting COVID-19. Chiefly from a psychic point of view. But as far as diabetes is concerned, sugar is probably the single most dangerous substance. Never mind about over diabetes. It's covert diabetes when you don't even know you've got diabetes. The indigestion of sugar is, is a medium that can allow bacteria and viruses to thrive and let them run rampant. So I would recommend a lower or if no intake of sugar in your diet in, at the present time. But there's also well, another comorbid condition and that is hypertension, high blood pressure and the ability of the blood to clot. You see, nobody yet knows why in certain people with COVID-19, they immediately clot the vessels in their lung. Nobody knows why this occurs. And that's why some people are using anticoagulants and aspirin and these things to treat patients, to co-treat patients with COVID-19 to prevent the clotting of the lung, because the clotting in the lung is the same as the clotting in the heart, in the coronary arteries. If you clot your coronary, your heart muscle dies. If you clot vessels in your lung, your lung dies. And then you, even if you survive, you get left with a permanent damaged lung. So it is very important what you eat and, the, and, and to treat the conditions before they occur. You know, to, to, to be cognizance of what you can do to yourself to cause these conditions of diabetes and high blood pressure. We're going to go for a little bit of a break and unfortunately we're going to wrap up because this, been, this, this discussion has been unbelievably enlightening. Don't go away. We'll be back soon. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. If you live alone and you need to know about the Hi FM helpline check-in service, our counsellors will call you on a regular basis to check in and make sure you're okay. It's available to anyone of any age who feels the need for it. Make contact with us by calling the helpline on 0800 242436. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of serving the community. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Well, I wish we had hours and hours and hours more to discuss this. We've got a couple of minutes. Dr. Kassel, can you give us some final remarks? What do you want to leave our listeners with? Well, in final remarks, what I want to leave you with, there is no question of the, of the suitability of the mRNA vaccine being used in emergency situations to control morbidity and mortality from a dangerous virus, the likes and the extent of which the world has probably never seen. Studies suggest that it is immediately effective in 95 to 99% of cases. However, we still don't know how long the immunity will last or whether re-vaccination will be necessary. Only time will tell. We also don't know whether resistant strains of COVID-19 will develop or what the long-term autoimmune effects. Autoimmune is where the antibody in the body starts destroying other tissues or organs in the body may be and what the immune response may be if it's prolonged. And the final thought is Israel, unlike any other country on this earth, 
as superb scientists, probably leading the world in scientific knowledge. It has also superb rabbinical experts, and with a combination of the two, who have all given their blessing to the COVID-19 vaccine, there is no doubt about what we should do. That's all Thank I you. Thank you, Dr. Kassel. As always, your perspective on health is refreshing. It is, it is encompassing, and it actually just gives, uh, well, certainly for me, and I'm sure I'm talking uh, for Fagy, it gives us like a balance as to, to you know, all the maddening things that are, are running around and the opinions that are being uh, given right now. We hope, uh, listeners, that you too have got a better under, an understanding of it. Um, there are many, many aspects to it, and as always, um, uh, as we say on, on, on the show, you need to go and seek your own medical practitioner and follow advice from there. This is just a forum for discussion and for throwing ideas out, and I think that today, um, for sure, we have got a, a very well-balanced uh, perspective on the COVID vaccine. Dr. Kassel, thank you for your invaluable time um, in, in educating our community. Fagi, thank you always for arranging and, and being by my side. And uh, we wish everybody out there that they should remain healthy, remain same, remain safe. And please God, this too shall pass. Thank you, everyone. Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish.